Hi, my name is Jonathan, and this is Relatable. So I'm here with my friend Michael. Hello. And today we're going to have a conversation on Relatable. So, Michael, um, first things first, how do we know each other? I mean, I know how we know each other. Let's hear your story, and then you tell everyone kind of the story of us. You got it. So what happened was um, I moved into a certain neighborhood in where John worked, and I live still. And um, my previous roommate had actually got me addicted to coffee, so I needed a new coffee place to go to. And the Starbucks was around the corner from my house, mm-hmm. and it was very convenient for me to just mosey on over in the morning. Like every morning. Every morning. And uh, I would get my small cup of coffee and a blueberry muffin. I knew I could start my day by seeing someone's smiley face, mm-hmm. yours or, you know, your other co-workers at mm-hmm. the time. And so it became like a creature comfort, as mm-hmm. they say. I, I, think, I think, you know, one of the things that I admire about, you know, working at Starbucks so, like, so much is that when we first start, they teach you like these core values like it's not just about you it's about like your neighborhood that you work in your community to give back and like we're more than just the people that make your coffee and i think that's another reason why like i worked there so long is not just because i mean like i enjoyed coffee and i was addicted to coffee but like you get to meet a ton of people there and you hear all of their stories the good the bad the ugly the divorces, the whatever. My last job, the way I got it was actually one of our customers who I knew for many, many years um, would come into Starbucks and um, her son had cancer and she went through all of this stuff. And, you know, seeing people in that like low and being just an ear for them to vent to, even if you're not very like and you were close good, with and them. You're good at that. Yeah, you but you learn that at Starbucks. Like they taught us that at the at the very beginning. It's like, yes, here's how you make coffee. Yes, here's this, but it's not just about that. Like there's a whole nother like emotion that you need to like create when a person comes in. Like we're you're not just customers, you're like our friends. And and you're not the only person that I've like hung out with outside of working at Starbucks. Like there's multiple people that I'm, and I'm sure it's not just me alone that have created these, you know, really, really deep connections with other people, customers, you know, cause you see them every day and you're like, Oh, how's work going? Oh, did you get that promotion? Oh, how are your kids? Oh, you know, this and that. It's yeah, like, you became part of my daily routine. So um, like you came in there every day and it was just, but I came in there because of you. Thank you. <laughs> and yeah, you and your other coworkers. I won't name their names. But yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. We, we had a really good crew. And like seeing that whole like group of people, it was, it, it, there was a good point. You can, we can move on. There was, a, there, no, there was a good point where like that Dar had like created this like group of people, like Marcy, Jesus, like, there was a, a couple of like core people that were working there that were like the run of like they were they were Starbucks they were the heart of it yeah and then once people started moving away and then it started changing it's a completely different environment it's a there. different it's a different vibe for sure even when I go in there though like as a former Starbucks partner like 
you go in there and I don't feel that connection anymore, which, which almost hurts because one of the things that we used to say when, you know, we were being trained at Starbucks was like, there's you, you want to create a third place for people. So their first place is their home. Their second place is usually their work. So that's the first place that they're going to spend all their time. Second place is home. Third place is like Starbucks. Like you can go into Starbucks and you feel like camaraderie with the other people. And even the customers would see it like, you know. They do. And that's why they people linger and they stay yeah. and they work there all day. And But now I feel like Starbucks has gone on to, I mean, I don't think they focus on that as much as they should maybe they do in the midwest where you know i came up i came from and you know learned all that Is stuff that where from? you first started working yeah i, I started i started in missouri and our district manager had like i don't know how many stores they had but the city that i lived in springfield had three stores so even here there's literally a store on every corner and 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 a grocery store and a grocery store and you can't really have that community because it's all overlapping and you can't actually make an impact on these like schools and these you know giving back you can a little bit but you can't actually give your actual time it's it's complete starbucks in southern california is completely different than Starbucks anywhere else. Well, and definitely... I feel like they need to like reinvest into like the heart of it. You should go to work for the corporate I, offices. I, I, right? Yep. So we met through Starbucks. Um, I think I asked you for your phone number or I gave you my phone number. You did. You gave me your phone number. On a, on a sleeve. Yes. And then we hung out. I don't remember what we did. I don't know what the we did either. We Maybe hung, hung just out. dinner, hung out. Yep. Because I wanted you to help me also build a website. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I don't think that was the first time. I think no. that just evolved. Yeah. That happened when I realized the many talents that you possess. Yeah. The the random things I know how to do. Yes. Is what, what I like to say. Um, but yeah. And then we didn't talk for a while. And then we started talking again. And then I quit. And then I don't... We don't really talk that much anymore. Right. But there was a good point where we hung out like a lot. Yes. And we got to know each other a lot. All right. Um, so let's talk about you. So you grew up here. I grew up in Burbank, California. Born and raised. And I'm one of those. you've never moved to another city? I've never moved to another city. <laughs> Jeez. Glendale. I mean, that's about it. So your family is very well known in the area. Um, so they all, you know... I think you said your family is like in real estate, so... Real estate, property ownership, construction. It's a very good thing to be in, especially in LA, um, where prices for real estate are horrible. Um, horribly expensive. While we're if, sitting while if, we're sitting here at my real estate office, yeah, yeah. talking about real estate, yeah. yes. Um, they are. Um, but yeah, and then, so you've also had some bad things um, that happened. Touch briefly on that and um, and how that affected you when, what age were you? So I was 14 and my sister broke the news to me that my dad had been arrested um, for whatever he did. Um, I proceeded to punch a hole through the wall in my sister's friend's apartment and cried and I went home and my dad was there 
he, he had just formally been arrested and then released. And it was really confusing. My mom had just gotten out of the hospital for like pneumonia. And so she didn't know what was really going on. And I just remember I looked and I said, this is surreal. I, I remember it like yesterday. I, I haven't talked about this and unearthed this um, in a while, but it's still fresh in my memory. And I ran to my room and I locked the door and I turned on my radio and cried and was angry. Um, I had my suspicions about what my dad was doing. Earlier that summer, he had asked a director of a pretty popular movie back then um, to join him at the apartments that my grandfather owned. And my dad rushed me home. And in my head, I'm like, why is this millionaire director guy gonna go hang out with my dad at the apartment buildings that we owned? And that was the first clue in my mind that something was wrong. But what could you possibly pin it on? You don't know. You're 14 years old. Like, So when the real shit hit the fan, I was at, with my family again. I think the night that he was taken to prison or taken to jail and like they weren't going to let him out. Um, we were at a baseball game and my aunt again grabbed all the kids and we went up to her house and my aunt told me what he was arrested for. And I was shocked, but not surprised. My mom decided to divorce my dad not soon thereafter. Got it. So we went on a trip to Hawaii. My uncle picked up me, my mom, and my cousin, and his wife. We all went to Hawaii for a week. When you're 14, you have so many emotions that are going on already. Yeah. With, with, without everything. other things. I'm about to step in, into high school. You're about to step into high school. You're going through puberty. You're doing this whole, like, you're a teenager. You already have a lot of emotions going on in your head. And then you're hit with this. The... The, again, the reason I'm saying this is because when you're a kid, you're alone. You feel like you have to figure it all out by yourself, and you don't understand. And there's no one that can and, relate to the situation and, because you're in it by yourself. And 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 even as a kid, but even, I mean, as a kid, even you know, even as an as an adult. This trauma happened to your family. This trauma happened to you, but you but you weren't the cause of the trauma. No, no. And just and a I, victim. And I feel like, as a victim of whatever kind of trauma you're going through, there's, I don't know if I want to call it a victim, more or less. It's just an innocent bystander. Well, you because nothing was I mean, done to me. No, not not physically. But traumatically, these events happen to you, and that's a, you're a victim of the events that happened around you. Yes. And I think there's so much shame and embarrassment that goes along with being a victim in no matter what 
form of trauma there is, whether someone else did something that you were friends with or that's family or whatever, you go through life, you go through growing up thinking, oh my God, if people find out about my friend or my family member or whatever, what are they going to think about me? Not even realizing that was someone else. I'm not that person. But I also feel like in our and minds... that's hard to conceptualize. Oh, of course it's hard to conceptualize. But it's also hard to get away from as being not part of that situation. Especially nowadays. You meet someone, you Google them, and... Oh, God, yeah. And you see, oh, they're related to so-and-so, and so-and-so, and so-and-so, and they their family did this. So... They must be a bad seed. Even though... It's just it's it's literally just a judgment that your 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 body op- like snap judgment. You're like I don't trust this person, even though no one has given you a second of time to prove otherwise, or to even prove the fact that you're not like Them. any of the trauma. Tr- yeah, they're not giving you a chance. So at fourteen, I think I was having a hard time with my dad leading up to that. And a part of me was almost glad that he wasn't there through my, I guess you say, my formative years of high school. So once I got out, I wasn't really carrying that burden of my dad's stuff. You know, I ended up at a continuation school, but I went to Glendale College, fumbled around for a year, and then I got serious. I think what happened was I took a geology class. Um, I took a geology class and it opened up my whole world because I finally, I finally was able to pick a class that I actually wanted to learn. Mm-hmm. I didn't finish a four-year college. I just was at Glendale College for two years. So you finish high school. You go to college. When did you get into your first serious... Was it your first serious relationship? So my first serious relationship was with a girl. So... Met on Match.com, and then it moved on to MySpace, where you could see each other's lives. And I got to see more pictures of her. Mm -hmm. So the first photo I saw of her on Match, I said, that's my future wife. Mm -hmm. She had on a a ball cap at the beach and sunglasses. And just I was resounding that was going to be my future wife. And that was the goal. I... I wanted to get married. I was 27. I wanted to have the dream. Mm-hmm. Going on my MySpace, I saw more photos. And there was a photo of her that wasn't... There was something about it that wasn't right. And I was like, oh, I've been duped. So I ditched it for six months. So I get home from work and there's a message on MySpace. And it's just a simple, hey... It's been a while. I haven't, we haven't spoke because we were talking for months, but I wouldn't pull the trigger. When I got the message on MySpace, I said, this is God talking and this is my chance. And this is, let me give this a chance. And I gave it a chance and it turned into four and a half years and almost a marriage proposal. We lived together. My dad got arrested again, and it fell apart. I didn't want to argue anymore, but like I hit, I hit a level that I, I hadn't hit. And it was the frustration boiled over. I, 
I kind of like raised my hands at her in my den and I stormed out of the house, slammed the door behind me, and I threw my keys through my 1940s single plate glass window. And it scared the crap out of her. And that I regret a lot. I didn't, I didn't want it to go, I never wanted us to fight. And it hurt me to do that. But I just felt like I needed to get my point across that like nothing was going on. But there was something going on. I just wasn't telling her. Mm-hmm. So with the stuff with your dad, the stuff with your possible almost wife, you have other things going on internally that you're dealing with. So, yes. And this is how it all came to be, in a sense. I'm, I was asked to stop smoking pot mm-hmm. by my ex. And I didn't realize the power of marijuana in suppressing things. I didn't care about my sexuality. I didn't put any stock into it. Once I got to college, I was so enamored with the experience of learning that that fulfilled me. Mm-hmm. But I it, felt was, it wasn't it a wasn't, priority. It wasn't a priority. It, it, it's kind of like the conversation we had with Tyler. Yes. Where, you know... He, I related to that a lot. Yeah. Where he, you know, some those feelings might be there. Other feelings might be there. You just don't really tap into them because you're not focused on them. You have other things going on in your life. You pick and choose what you're dealing with. Whether you want to learn, whether you want to focus on whatever your dad did or your family, whatever. You want to escape. You want to do whatever. Is... Is that when you were like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm for sure different? I knew I was different pretty early age. Like, as soon as I had like a conscience, mm-hmm. I knew that I was attracted to boys. Mm-hmm. And I had a crush on this kid at my... It's hard to talk about. Um... I had a crush on this kid at my preschool. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be around him. Mm-hmm. You don't know what it is. I, I don't know, know what, what it is. is. We don't know what you, it is. You're obviously you're way too young to figure out what it is, but you're just like, there's something about this type this... of person that I enjoy. Yes. And and you don't know how to explain it. And and do you think one of the reasons that it was suppressed for so long is because you know you felt different and you didn't want anyone to know. So there's a few factors here. Okay. So I'm Italian. Mm-hmm. Not really in a Catholic family. My uncles are very masculine. Mm-hmm. For the most part, like, my uncle's married to, like, almost the Pam Anderson lookalike. This is so way really before Pam. But yes, yeah. super attractive. Yes. Like, hot and young. Which was a sign that I just didn't pick up on. Yeah. But anyways, he liked young women. Mm-hmm. was very aware of that. We had like a stripper over the house one day for my uncle's birthday party. And my aunt and me went to go meet the stripper at the apartment to bring her to the house. And she was dancing on top of the table in their dining room with all the family members there. I'm five. 
six or seven, and my other cousin is under the table with me. And we're looking up at like the pretty woman in the naughty nurse's outfit. Okay, so this is the world I grew up in. All right, so it's so that was normal. That's normal. Sexuality on a masculine but scale, on a, a, but on a not even respectful because like right. That's my whole hard thing to be. was skewed. Yeah, my aunt was pretty much like would walk around the you house. You have this extreme masculinity with disrespect to women. And that's just the normal for you. Correct. So you go into life thinking, I have to find a woman. I have to get married. I have to do this. And if I do anything else, I'm going to be the outcast. I'm going to be the one that like... I was already the outcast. Because of the family stuff. I was the new... The new... um, The young blood Mm -hmm. in my family. My parents are older they're now like in their 70s my dad's almost near his 80s so he they had me when my dad was like 40 and so it was just me and my older cousins and my brother and my sister who were 10 and 11 years older than me oh, wow. so i was the first child in a, while. A, in a while so for a while it was just me and my cousin tony and um the older boys next door and you know they had girls over all the time now, my cousin Robert is gay, and I think the family knew. Mm-hmm. And he's older than He's you. older than me. He's yeah. the same age as my sister, so he's 10 years older than me. Okay. He was clearly gay. Mm-hmm. Like, and your family was fine with it? No one ever said... They just never said anything. And, and, and here's why I think they never said anything, because they didn't want to make an example out of him because of the crap that they were doing on the side or the yeah. things that they did that were... You know? Yeah. And the normal I, I, America. I get it. Yeah. Trust me, I get it. I have two uncles in the family, gay. No one ever talked about it. So it just wasn't talked Beyond about. The, we, no, it was... It, you didn't talk about it. So I don't know if that was a matter of, like, we don't want to talk about it, or we we're just... We love Robert, and yeah. he's cool. And I, I, I don't... And when I was young, I never tried to talk about it either. I thought about it, and I thought about trying to talk to him but then i knew that they would know that i was so i backed off so maybe the 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 obvious should have been clear so it's like the 80s and me and my sister i would hang out with my sister and her friends Mm -hmm. and i remember like wanting to go to the record store with her and buy duran duran albums and like i don't know whoever was cool in the 80s Duran Duran was like my favorite because it was my sister's favorite. My brother loved Van Halen, so Van Halen was cool, and they were also local. But I would be my with my brother would be like Van Halen, with my sister would be like Duran Duran and Cyndi Lauper and Mm -hmm. you know Michael Jackson. And I was raised in front of MTV, Mm -hmm. so for me to see how different all these people were with these videos, the world was changing. Like you could be wild. David Bowie was androgynous and yeah. Cindy Lauper was Cindy Lauper. But he didn't really talk about it. He didn't talk about it. But I yeah. watched it on MTV. Yeah. I was like, is It he... started to become a normal that no one talked about. Yes. And it was just kind of there. And unless you were in it, then you didn't really talk about it. Yeah, because we were coming kind of... out of... But it should make no sense because my uncles came out of the flower child generation. I, I don't know. You know? Yeah. 
so free love for all yeah. and smoke weed and do this and do yeah. that. Like, so you would figure they're liberal. They should be pretty liberal when it comes to, but I'm five. So yeah. I knew going back to, I knew, um, and then I think after like I parted ways with that kid, mm-hmm. there was nothing, there was no one else that really stuck out, stuck out. Yeah. Going back to MySpace. So in college, about two years into me dating the ex-girlfriend then, I met this guy. And when I figured out he was gay, I knew that I had been dealing... I knew who I was. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Sometimes I say I'm bisexual. Sometimes I admit I'm gay. Sometimes I just say it's just ever like changing Mm -hmm. fluid it's fluid some people don't like that whatever i don't know so i meet him (laughs) doesn't matter yeah so i met him and i wanted i wanted to experiment Mm -hmm. i i called him Mm -hmm. to come over to set up a meeting about the next day at school to go over the the game plan the curriculum but i had ulterior motives so I was with her at my apartment and the phone rings and it's him. And she hears a conversation about me setting up a meeting with him to come over to my house later, not that night, the next night. Mm-hmm. And she was like, he's gay and you're inviting him over to your house and you're being sneaky on the phone about it. What's up with that? I made up the excuse. I'm like, we work together and we have to go over a curriculum to teach kids. And we have to be on the same page about asking these questions. My intentions were that at first, but my real intention was to ask him about himself because I wanted to ask questions about me mm-hmm. to him. So he was my first person that I was able to talk to about what I was feeling inside. And I so, had to deal with it. So when he came over, did you you guys just you talked, you had questions and yes, it, and it's and I get it because I think I had a similar situation where there was someone I knew and I was just like, it it was not even about an attraction to the person. It was just, I know you're gay. I want to be in your company and subtly pick your brain. Except I'm sure. The second I started asking questions, that person knew. And I wasn't scared for him to know. Mm-hmm. And I guess one thing led to another. So you hung out with this guy. Um, and you did whatever you did with him. And so this the relationship with the, the guy that I met in college continued okay. into that relationship. I had cut it off. It's like... So knowingly, you you still connected with this guy. Yes. While you were in a relationship with another person for four years and you lived with... I cut it off for a year. But that was like cutting off a drug. Um, I was happy for the first two years. I was totally fine. Um, I didn't... I just suppressed it and moved on about my life. Um... And one afternoon, it, like I was home alone, 
having too much time on my hands. And because uh, I was like full blown kind of trying to do real estate, but I wasn't really, I'd spent a lot of time just, I don't know, chilling at house at the home. And uh, I invited him over and I knew that's where the trouble would begin. Um, I couldn't get him out of my life because I needed to express myself that way. So I jumped on MySpace and I didn't realize there was a whole other side to MySpace. Did you know that? You could look up guys and girls, like lesbian, like you could go like gay, like it was like almost like match. So you go age, range, gay, straight, whatever. So this one guy jumped out at me and it was like a bolt of lightning hit me. So this is a different guy now? On the internet while I was dating the last girlfriend. So wait, so just to be clear, you start dating this girl. Yes. You cut it off from the guy from school. Yes. Then he comes back into, into your I life. I invited him over. And then it continued with that person or then it, it you stopped with he that person? He would call. I would call on the weekends. So it continued for a while. For a while. And then you... I found someone to talk to. Got it. And I, I think the question I posed... So I, I messaged him on my profile and I get a phone call on Sunday morning and it's her. And she's like, what's this message on your MySpace? Cause I had logged on, <clears throat> logged on to her computer at home. She went to go check it like as if it was her own profile and there was a message in the inbox and she saw it and I knew exactly what the phone call was. Wow. I was brushing my teeth and the phone rang at like 9.30 in the morning. I knew exactly what it was. I knew exactly what it was. She freaked out, yelled, screamed, came back over to the house and We cried. I explained to her about everything. Because the story goes, well, that I had previous relations with this guy through college and upwards until I met her. And that's why I didn't call her back and waited six months. Well, if she would have never messaged me, we would have never been together. So... I didn't want to talk to her on purpose because I knew I was gay. But when she messaged me, I said, this is my chance to be straight. Let me give this a try. I was fighting it the whole time. Every day of the week, mm-hmm. you know, but her love life sucked. And I just was like getting bored. Yeah. I was bored. And I started getting resentful of like, is this how the rest of my life is going to be? Because my friends couldn't come over anymore. Oh, wow. My single life was over, and I wasn't ready for that. Mm-hmm. What were the conditions of her staying? Don't cheat on her. And what happened? I think she moved in with me after, not like, six months. She moved in with me because she got into it with her parents. Mm-hmm. I was like... Come home. Mm-hmm. That's fine. 
and we played house for like six or eight months. I don't think we lived together for a year, but she was over there all the time. Mm. I had the house for four or five years. And um, I quit him. I quit him. Mm. I had to. And I just suppressed it for another few years. And then my dad got arrested. She moved out because we got in a fight Mm -hmm. about Reagan. Mm -hmm. I threw the keys through the window. Mm -hmm. And she decided that she wasn't going to put herself in harm's way with me. And the shenanigans that were honestly going around my dad. Mm -hmm. And and she knew what the fallout was going to be. She just... She ran. It's human instinct, right? Yeah. Fight, fight or flight. Mm-hmm. So she removed herself from the situation. And I said, you know what? I'm going to give this two weeks. I'm going to play the two-week cooling off period. And I felt liberated. I had the house to myself for the first time in forever. Because I had all my buddies live with me. Friend live in the back house. So the house was peaceful. And everyone was out of the house and Craigslist was around. And so I discovered Craigslist in the men for men section. Mm -hmm. And um, I found a guy who lived in Burbank. And he was everything that like I wanted as far as my prototypical... I'm a sucker for blondes and blue eyes mm-hmm. and like light skin. And he was this guy from Ohio. He just moved here. He had a few weeks off from working in the studios. And we both met up at, a, at like BBGs and made a good time. And we connected. And he actually had me come over that night. And I spent the night with him. And that happened like that breathing like I'm gonna move on yeah I probably put all my eggs in one basket as I usually do with people sometimes and we hung out what? I don't know what you're talking two about two weeks mm-hmm. straight text message all day like we had a great time mm-hmm. for however long it lasted but then she was calling me while I was spending the night at his house and I was leaving the phone and she was trying to reconcile the relationship. Even though she knew. Wait, did she know? She didn't know about that. No, but she knew about She it. just wanted she to... Knew. Yeah, she, she knew. knew. Yeah. But she wanted to resolve... She wanted to distance herself from my dad's situation. And everything that was happening at that very moment in time. Yeah. Because the shit really hit the fan. Because this time, there was no one else to step up to the financial plate to take over his finances. The last time, my uncles were all in a corporation, and they took everything. Mm -hmm. This time, I was 26, no, 29, 30, 29, and I had to take over everything. I took over everything. My brother tried to get involved. I didn't trust his wife. I knew that they would take from me. See, my family is all about taking the assets away so I naturally did what I felt was right my dad ran the business by himself for himself and like had to pay his bills we had houses we had apartments we had big time mortgages like there was a lot in the line Mm -hmm. 
and then the economy crashed. So, but going back to, we decided to get back together again after the two weeks. And this time it was, we're gonna get married. And I told her about him again. And she said, I understand you needed some, someone to lay in their arms. Like I wasn't there and I'm sorry. And I wanted to, but you weren't answering my phone calls. Why didn't you give it two weeks? Like, why didn't you talk to me? You really hurt mm -hmm. me. I said, I thought that was what's natural. We needed a break. Mm -hmm. We needed to figure out what it was we were going to do with each other and my dad's situation. Mm -hmm. I had to babysit it. I had to take over and take charge. And mm -hmm. life was thrown in my lap. Responsibility for the first time in a big way was thrown in my lap. And then I was like, I have all the money and I have all the control of everything. Our life will be fine. I'm, my dad will be old when he gets out and I'm just going to have it. And that's my future. Putting my eggs in one basket again. And um, the guy that was seen said, I think you're 90% straight and 10% gay. I think you want to be with her. But I think he was really hurt because he knew I wanted her back. Mm -hmm. And I was telling him these because I was going through this with him. Mm -hmm. But like... I was all about having him over for dinner and we cooked spaghetti one night and like we went out in public. We went to like sports authority. My brother was there. I ran. I ran. And I think that was like, I, he was like, you ran away because you saw your brother and we're just in a store together. But in my head, I was like, he's going to find out. My brother's going to find out. I, I don't know what I was scared. You're scared of being gay. You're, you're literally not the only person that that's... It happens yeah. to all of us. Yeah. Right? Happens to everyone who has these issues. Yeah. They're not, they're not issues. issues. They're, they're yeah. who we are. It's who God said, this is who yeah. you are. It just it just happens to everyone. So, anyways, we stuck it out. And then... It was, we're going to get married and that's it. And we went on this glorious trip to Santa Barbara and and we were going to talk to her parents when we got back about my dad's situation and, and how we could get through this together and get married. Mm -hmm. And it was like President's Day weekend. And so it was a Monday I had off. Or maybe it was a Sunday or whatever. And I was tired. And I was worn out. My dad had just got thrown into prison like a month ago. And the lawsuit came. And I had a big meeting the next day about this civil case that was dropped in my dad's. I had to take care of because I was the um, power of attorney. And they were asking me for big money. I was stressed. And I have to go talk to her parents about marrying her on the day before all my dad's assets could possibly be taken from me. And hence my future was no job. I knew I couldn't marry her. Mm -hmm. Gay aside, or if I was even straight, I, I would have had to say, there's no way. I can't have the stress of marrying you and 
having this and bringing you back into it and figuring out that if you loved each other, you'd figure it out, right? I didn't. I, she wanted me to come to her parents. I stayed home. I napped. She called me on the phone. House line. She called me on the house line. Where are you? I mean, she's like, you're home? Because I was supposed to go to Anaheim to collect quarters. That was my, my excuse, like, not to go early. Um, so I was late. It was like, I don't know, one o'clock. I'm like, I, it's Altadena. I'll be over there in 20 minutes. She, but if you love me, you'd been here the whole time with me and my parents. Like, you're safe there. So why wouldn't you want to spend time with, like, us? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm really stressed out. I'm super tired. We were in Santa Barbara all weekend drinking. We came back home. We were at the bar in Montrose. We were out till one. I'm worn out. So anyways, I didn't go. We didn't have the discussion. But she came back home. We fought it out. And we made love. And we just swept it under the rug. And just kind of hung on. So when did it end? She just stopped feeding into my... Because at this point, I was hanging on to her because I was scared about being gay. And I got crazy. I was sending crazy... I had too much time on my hands. I was sending text messages like that were just uncalled for. I was losing my mind. Mm -hmm. And I was taking it out on her. And so she just had to cut me off. We had one big argument again... And I think it was about the same person, like my dad's friend. Mm-hmm. And I defended her against Jen. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Darn it. Whatever. And she was like, fuck you. Like, you're going to defend this person who basically got your dad in jail? Mm-hmm. And I don't know why I defended her. So we had this huge fight. And that was it. She came over and said goodbye. But then she toyed with me for a few more months. Mm-hmm. She came over one night. My friends left. They went like up the street. And we were we were just battling. Like she was playing games with me and trying to like love me and make me feel better because I wanted her there. Mm-hmm. And but you fed into them because you I fed them. into it. We were feeding into each other. Yeah. Can I fast so, forward? Yeah. So so once it ended, what have you learned about yourself that... That it didn't know then? Yeah. Be yourself. Be your true authentic self. My therapist says I'm loving and compassionate and like caring and all these wonderful attributes. Um that my family pushed back against because they were hard. And I was this soft little kid that they all loved, but they could never get a handle on me because I was different. I was different because I was different. I was gay or whatever you want to call it. Like, it was just different from them. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I let them know how much they were different from me and I was different from them because I just was always me. Yeah. So I listen to my gut and sometimes I don't, you know, through the power of 
joining Dodgeball, which is an LGBT league in West Hollywood, um, through talking with other people, meeting you at Starbucks, opened up my world, really. Because I didn't meet another gay man that I could be friends with until I met you. Mm-hmm. Just be you, and I felt like, you know, I fight it still in the gay community. I'm butch. They don't understand me. And maybe because I, I try to be different still mm-hmm. and not open up to them. Yeah. But I, I've always felt like you still have these walls up. I do. Because you care. We all care what others think of us. Are you currently dating anyone? No. But you've current you've dated people recently. I have. And, and, and it's all been guys. Yes. Okay. So what's what's transitioned and what have you learned from from the dating women to dating men and how it makes you feel? I'm not fighting myself. Now it's all about is this a good fit? Does this feel right to me? And if it doesn't feel right, I'm looking forward to dating someone who I know I'm compatible with or we're compatible with each other. Mm-hmm. And it'll just be a free-flowing, hopefully no fights yeah. for the most part. So so I think being happy or being free is, is the core end goal for a lot of people. Now, how do you see happiness... In, in, in being your in a, future. Being in a stable, loving relationship. Loving being the key word. Mm-hmm. A protected relationship where trust is there and honesty is there and you feel like they're your best friend and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I want to be still the young-blooded American boy who falls in love with now, just a guy. I just want to be able to come home and breathe and relax and, like, fall into, you know, my boyfriend's arms. I can't believe I'm saying this, but yes. Um, yeah, you just, you got one life to live and, you know, you better capture love because it's not a guarantee. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you again for joining me. It's been a fun day here. Um, Thank you for letting me use your space. And thank you guys for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye.